Welcome to season seven of my podcast, Between Us, Stories of Unconscious Bias. This season, I speak to people in Mexico, America, Ireland, Sri Lanka, India, and the UK. I have stories that I'm sure will resonate with anyone anywhere in the world. For example, how to be more confident, or how are we seen differently in the country of our birth, only because we don't look like everyone else. I also hear stories that are chilling, and I'm moved at how the speaker found the inner resilience to overcome their challenges. I hear stories of music, religion, and so much more. I hope you take away as much as I have when hearing these stories. Thank you so much for listening. Many of us are forced to mature way before we are adults, to make decisions and navigate the adult world when we are not grown up. Does this mark us in a positive or negative way? Can we use these experiences to learn to be comfortable in ourselves without having to defend ourselves or prove ourselves all the time? This is Between Us, Stories of Unconscious Bias. I am Smita Tharoor. I'd like to introduce Vanessa Maria. Vanessa Maria is a DJ, broadcaster at Foundation FM, and hosted resident advisor. Named as one of the most important young people in music, Vanessa has made her mark on radio stations across the country, sharing her love for underground UK music. She's been busy making appearances at Boiler Room, Ace Magazine, Warehouse Project, and Whore in Berlin. Vanessa's work in and around mental health has also not gone unnoticed. As the key presenter and resident advisor, Vanessa currently hosts a music and mental health-related podcast and documentary series. She has also been named as a leader in shaping the future of London's nightlife by The Face magazine. I'm looking forward to chatting with you, Vanessa, and sharing and hearing your stories on unconscious bias. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. So, Vanessa, unconscious bias, you know, when we're talking, I mean, you work with mental health, so you probably have your own take on this. How do you understand those two words? For me, I guess, when I think of unconscious bias, I think of, like, attitudes, like, stereotypes, associations that people might have that are outside of, I guess, like, your consciousness, you're not really aware of it, and they affect, like, our judgment on things, on people, on places, our actions, our decisions that we make in life, and that falls into, like, career, it falls into the workplace, falls into education, falls into healthcare as well, so... You know, unconscious bias is something that I feel like we all have and it affects everyone and people are affected differently depending on how we're triggered by it. That's wonderful, absolutely. And I can't add to any of that because it is really all aspects of our life and every single one of us is just a natural, normal phenomena. So what does that look like for you particularly, personally, Vanessa? Mm-hmm. Do you think you could share a story with us? Yeah, definitely. When I think of unconscious bias, I immediately think of myself as a DJ and being a woman often there's an idea of like female DJ I personally don't subscribe to that I just feel like I'm a DJ and shouldn't matter my gender and I think when I started DJing I had several weird occasions where I'll cut the queue for a club because I would be DJing and I need to go in and 
play my set. So I'd go in front of the queue and talk to the bouncers and be like, well, I need to go in because I'm the DJ. And the bouncers, I've had people laugh at me. People were like, okay, cool. Yeah, you just need to go and queue up. Like, don't try and cut the queue or anything like that. And <laughs> it was just so <laughs> awkward because it's like, how do I prove that I'm the DJ? I had to pull out my headphones, my USBs. At one night, I had to call the promoter to come and get me, which I have never experienced like a man who's DJ go through the same thing. So that's definitely where people's unconscious bias of like gender comes in and not thinking that women naturally do certain jobs because of them being women. Yeah, no, in fact, at one level, it's, I mean, I was laughing with you when you were, mm. I know I was visualizing you standing at the door and the bouncer saying, who are you? And you're saying the DJ and they react to you. And, and that, of course, we can both laugh at it. But of course, there's something a little bit more challenging in terms of the work that you do and what you do. And you said at one point, you actually had to call the organizers to come. And what was that about? I mean, yeah, they wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let you in to your no. own program where you were going to be the DJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so are you supposed to carry a badge saying I am a DJ, which <laughs> nobody else does? That's interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. It's really crazy. And of course, like when the pros came, they were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And it's like, they were so rude to me before they actually believed that I was DJing. And you've been a DJ for a few years now, haven't you, Vanessa? Yeah, it's about three years. Right. And so are we talking early days or is this still continues even today? You know what? It's got better, I think, post-pandemic. I think people are like on their best behavior a little bit. But yeah, I've noticed a difference. Right. But so that's very much an unconscious bias story that you shared about somebody else's unconscious bias looking at you because from their perspective, you don't fit the bill. This is what a DJ should look like. Tick, tick, tick. And hang on a minute. This person doesn't look like what a DJ should look like. But what about you when you went into the DJ industry, for want of a better word? Did you bring any unconscious biases of your own when you were working and starting out three years ago? Yeah, I think, of course, I think that everyone who have like certain like stereotypes about what it's going to be like and attitudes. I definitely didn't feel like it was a space for me. And I think I wasn't really wrong there and just the way I was received in certain spaces or like not being made to feel welcome. And I really felt like I had to fight my way through <laughs> a lot of it. But yeah, I definitely had the idea that it's not really a space for like black women, especially in dance music. It's very white and very cis dominated. So a lot of like white straight men who operate in those spaces and it can feel very intimidating but in a way I feel like being able to just take up space has been a blessing so understanding that even though I might not feel welcome I just need to make sure that I welcome myself in. Mm, that's very powerful thank you for that Vanessa and that's very kind of you to share that honesty because when any of us you me anyone is feeling intimidated it's really tough isn't it to actually manage to go beyond that and still do what you know and love yeah it is hard yeah but just to continue on the whole dj story i mean is there a story about why you wanted to be a dj is it just happens organically yeah there's always been like a running joke at school that i'll be a dj which is really funny like <laughs> yeah like in secondary school like year seven to 11 and be like I'm gonna be a DJ but I just always I was like well obviously I can't sort of thing why would I be a DJ and then I think it was always at the back of my head and then I had the opportunity to learn and I sort of like fell in love with it yeah I've always loved music so I fell in love with it basically and then one thing led to another and I'm a DJ and I'm like oh I didn't quite expect that to happen 
So, yeah, I think it was quite organic and it just kind of all worked out. I think what is meant for you will never miss you. You know, I started off in like mental health and stuff and I was really so far away from music. I knew no one in, in the industry. I didn't have social media until like 2019. I think it was meant to be. It was meant to be. I love it. I can't help but just react to the sentence that you said you didn't have social media until 2019. And I'm visualizing the listeners saying, what? Why? Who? No social media until mm. 2019? So what's that story? Yeah, I think Is I'm... that some kind of unconscious bias of yours that you refuse to be on social media? Actually, I think I made my first post in like December 2018 or something. But I mean, I had like Facebook or that kind of thing, but I just didn't have like Instagram, like Snapchat. I just didn't feel like I had the need for it. I didn't need it. And then once I decided that I wanted to be in music and then wanted to DJ, I realized that was like a necessary step. So it wasn't anything against it. For me, it's just always been like a work thing. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. no, because I was just thinking of it from a different angle. Where it overtakes people's lives sometimes, doesn't mm-hmm. it? So I was just very impressed that you had not allowed it to overtake your life and you just do what you need to do. Useful but, time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so you are a DJ, you've been a DJ for the last three years. And as you said, you've had experiences, certainly of gender and race discrimination, maybe a combination of the two. But it seems to me primarily gender because predominantly it is men who rule the table of being a DJ. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But apart from that, I mean, you know, in your experiences and other life experiences that you have, including the mental health, I mean, I wonder if you could share another story with us, Vanessa. Yeah, of course. I feel like one thing about me that people always sort of say that's surprising me is that I come across as very like confident and self-assured. I can understand those aspects, but one that always like makes me laugh is when people say that. I definitely know what I'm doing and I'm great together. And I'm always just like, I have no idea where everyone's getting this from because I have no idea what I'm doing. I am literally just freestyling life and I have a lot of self-doubt and I definitely can be my worst enemy at times. And I feel like people often are shocked when they like hear about that or hear about my struggles with depression and anxiety and just like the behind the scenes of normal everyday life that I feel like a lot of people can relate to so when it comes to that I think you know often people who are quite like bubbly and maybe like outgoing and friendly like it's quite shocking to understand like that we also have problems of our own and they say like check in on your like happy friends because it can sometimes feel like exhausting to keep it up so I guess that is one example of like unconscious bias that people assume that if you're like a happy-go-lucky outgoing person that you are not in need of support and actually that you're navigating life in a comfortable way and you're fine basically Mm. I mean there's a few things here that you just said Vanessa I just want to capture for myself as much as for the listeners one thing is I love that sentence that you just said towards the end which is check in with your happy friends that's very interesting because you're absolutely right a lot of us don't make assumptions or have unconscious biases that if this person, and I've met you and you certainly look to me as far as I'm concerned as a confident, holding it all together person. And as you rightly said, I'm no exception because most people who meet you see you as that. But of course, in addition to that, what you're saying is there's all kinds of other stuff that so many of us go through. So how did you manage to acknowledge to yourself? I mean, if you don't mind your expanding on this story, and share a little bit more because I think this is so important for so many of us listeners who might acknowledge or may want to not acknowledge that they have perhaps depression or anxiety or 
something. I mean, how did that work for you that you know these are things you need to deal with? Yeah, I feel like everyone knows deep down, from maybe in the back of your head or there's like a gut feeling that you're like, you know, I'm I'm not okay. And I feel like it's about having an honest conversation with yourself and being in a state of acceptance because it's hard. It's hard to accept that things aren't right or things aren't as good as they used to be. For me, it was hard for me to like accept that I wasn't as happy as I once was. For some reason, that was very hard for me. I was like, I could see visions of my self at my best and I was just like I'm just not there like I am somewhere else and it was hard for me to accept it but once I accepted it and had an honest conversation with myself and worked on my personal relationship with me and was like you know what Vanessa like you're not happy like why is that like really like look internally and think about where you are in life think about what's around you think about how honest you are with yourself and your emotions and the people around you and I had to have like a massive check-in really. And from there, I was able to like, I guess, move forward and find the support that I needed and find the mechanisms in order to cope with life and deal with the things that I needed to heal from, whether that was childhood trauma or relationship issues in my family history. So I think it really started off with honesty and then from honesty, acceptance and acceptance that moving in a state of love and just being loving towards myself and the people in my life as well. So that was like sort of that three-step program, I guess, that I went on. And it was really transformational because I feel like I learned a lot of skills and including like just letting go of emotions that weren't serving me and healing relationships, having great family and friendships and also seeking out support, whether that was therapy, whether that's also being more disciplined with my exercise regime and making sure that I was actually sleeping. So small things that have like big impact. Oh gosh, I mean, there's just so many very, very, very important points that you have made, Vanessa, and I really appreciate it. But there was one thing that you said right in the beginning that you said that, you know, all of us feel instinctively, intuitively when something is not right. But certainly many of us may choose to ignore it. And we kind of create our own reality, don't we? I mean, we say, ah, no, forget about it. And then it gets much harder for us. So it is really about checking in. That's what you're saying. And being honest with yourself and accepting yourself. These were the words you chose. So these stories that have influenced you to actually not bury your head in the sand, for want of a better word, and to genuinely check in with yourself. How did that come about? Was that an epiphany one morning you suddenly woke up and you felt this, I needed to change what I'm doing? No, not really. I feel like, I wouldn't say I had like the most difficult childhood, but I think there's been certain instances and like experiences very early on that have made life difficult. And I've always been quite independent in what I did, not out of choice, but maybe because I had to. And I think being quite independent and being put in situations where you kind of have to deal with life, I had to learn quite early on, like, how to manage emotions and how to navigate certain things. I had to grow up quite quickly. So I think that just helped me to have a, I guess, a different perspective on life, but also like because I had to grow up quite early and I realized there was quite a lot of things that I needed to deal with, like emotionally, I've always just had the idea that I need to like just make sure that I sort it out from the very root. 
in order for me to like move on basically I've just always had that feeling of like no like I need to make sure that I have good relationships with my family and I need to do this and that because down the line I knew that was going to be important and through understanding that I realized then that I had to heal like quite a lot of trauma in order to have great relationships with my parents because there were so many barriers and blockages there so I think that would be my answer to that yeah so I mean really what I'm hearing from you is really that all of us you included are so much of some of our own personal life experiences our narrative what makes me tick who am I from zero to whatever age I am today what kind of life experiences have I had that influence me and if we have had trauma at any point in our lives certainly at a young age it would impact in a way that we cannot even begin to acknowledge to ourselves and what you're saying is it really is about acknowledging because you had i'm using the word opportunity quite deliberately even though at the time you would not have seen it but you have the opportunity to be grown up very early on you know when perhaps most young little children you know mom and dad were taking care of them you had to be an adult for want of a better word and yeah. that gave you a wisdom that perhaps many other men or women of similar age may not have it's because your life experiences have shaped you that's what you're saying yeah definitely definitely and i've just been fortunate enough to be able to have had like i guess certain people in supportive positions where it didn't go the other way do you know what i mean because i think i've just been lucky i think that i've had people who you know have like pushed me in certain directions where it's worked out because i know that not everyone is fortunate enough to have that yeah and you host a podcast as well for certainly for the listeners Vanessa so what is the name of your podcast Yeah so the podcast it doesn't necessarily have a name it's a partnership between RA Resident Advisor and Black Minds Matter and it's part of the exchange program that Resident Advisor has so it's under the umbrella the title the RA exchange and it's a sub bracket of their podcast which is a mental health focused music audio experience could you for the benefit of the listeners because many of them are not from the United Kingdom and they you will be listening from i don't know Trinidad or Kabul i have no idea What is a resident advisor? What is this about? Could you explain to us what that exactly is and what you're doing with them? Yes, well, resident advisor is a music platform. They're also a ticketing site. They are predominantly working within underground club music, so looking at left field electronic music, and they also have a blog. So they also have an editorial branch to them, and they have a long-standing podcast called The Exchange, where they have notable individuals in the music industry being interviewed around their career and their success in music and recently so 2 years ago they forged a partnership so RA resident advisor forged a partnership with Black Minds Matter which is a UK based charity which looks at supporting black individuals families and communities with free mental health support and this partnership was done in order to support black owned music businesses in the electronic scene in England so it's been a really interesting podcast series last year we've had loads of interesting guests from Errol who runs a collective called Touching Base to Tiffany Calvert who's one of the biggest DJs in the UK no signal founder Jojo Snoobob was on as well which is a black owned radio station in London so we've had some really interesting people on and now it's turned into a documentary series which looks at topics that 
I've been drawn from that podcast, whether it's performance anxiety, whether it's the idea of collective well-being and we're looking at themes like depression and anxiety within music. That's fascinating. And so it's actually now being created into a documentary series that yes. we can watch. Is that correct? Yes. So the first wow. one has been released and it's oh. an audio documentary, but we have put visuals next to it. So it's Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Sounds watch. amazing. But firstly, there are two things here, obviously, that you probably guessed that I'm going to ask you to share a little bit more in terms of stories. One is about the idea of mental health and the other is about the fact that it's specifically about black people that you're working with in the music industry. So first and foremost, my question to you is, you know, how do you see a connection? Is it about that? Do you focus when you are supporting them as an advisor, within resident advisor, as a host, should I say? Is it more about the mental health issues? I mean, and as part of that, you know, under the umbrella of this podcast conversation, what kind of unconscious biases have you perceived amongst the group that you work with or perhaps that you have had before you started chatting with them? Sorry, what was the first question? So, sorry, a few questions. <laughs> One is about this idea of black and mental health. Are you able to compartmentalize them or should you not? And is it very much about black people who have mental health problems and being able to support them? Or are you doing two different things in this podcast yeah, and documentary so, series? That's my first question. So the podcast is to support black people who work within electronic dance music. And the focus is on speaking around topics around mental health. I think it's really important to look at black mental health in particular because that is an issue which is often overlooked. There's mental health resources available, but people often don't recognize that as black people, as a community, there's different types of resources that might be needed. We need people who understand our experiences and our identity. And often if you look at like mental health therapists and people who work in those spaces, it's often like white women and they're coming from middle class backgrounds, which there's often a disconnect when it comes to understanding identity and culture and community especially when it comes to like the black community so what we've noticed there's a disconnect with the understanding of experiences especially when it comes to reliving and having to talk about trauma related to identity and race it becomes very difficult in the context of healing which is why I feel like it's really important to put an emphasis on supporting black people with their mental health but also making sure that there's black people working with mental health in order to support black community and yeah, so that's basically the focus. So for Vanessa, I mean, when we're talking about identity, culture and communities, I mean, these are big, big words in my head. And so I wonder whether you could share a story around this that might give us some a little bit more understanding of the work that you do. Yeah, I don't know if I have a story, but maybe a good basis is to go back to when I went to university, which was at Bristol, and I was campaigning around black students' mental health and I released a documentary around it. And I did some research into mental health of black people in the UK. I actually found that black people are 40% more likely to access mental health services via the criminal justice system than white people. It's just an example of the disparities within, I guess, like wider mental health services. And I think it's the 2018 UK Mental Health Act. They found that there was profound like inequalities that exist in the treatment of mental health with black British people being four times more likely to be sectioned than white people so a definitely unconscious bias for me I think when I read like facts like that come into it because why is it that black people are being 
spectrums more than white people of the same symptoms and same behaviors. So there's lots of documentation into the inequalities that, you know, black and minority communities face when it comes to mental health. And I think being at university, I've realized that firsthand when I went through the support system, the counseling system, and I wanted to talk about my experience of feeling so alone and like an outsider and foster syndrome and feeling like I was othered continuously. And I think that wasn't really taken into consideration because a lot of the conversations were like, oh yeah, well, we're all students here and all the students have been in the same way. But I was like, no, this is different. I'm one of the only black people. I have 300 students in my class. Like, it's an awful like feeling to feel so hyper-visible or hyper-invisible because you're visibly, you're so different to everyone, but your voice is not taken into consideration. So you're invisible as well. Oh, so, I'm just going to pause you there because you yeah. said something so moving that we can be hyper-visible and hyper-invisible at the same time, can't we? Yeah, yeah. And can you expand on that? I just want us to really capture that idea of what that means to us as human beings. Yeah, of course. I guess it means feeling so othered that you clearly stick out in a certain context. That might be the way you look, your race. In my case, it was being Black at university. But in that same context, even though I was so visible and it was so clear that I was present and there because I stuck out. <laughs> I was also at the same time so hyper invisible because I was in the minority. My voice felt so insignificant and I felt so unimportant and I felt so undervalued in that same context. So it was a weird feeling to navigate, to feel visible and invisible at the exact same time. And I mean, weird is putting it mildly as far as I'm concerned. So in terms of, you know, even then at university, how did you navigate that? What did you do? I mean, you said you, you know, tried to speak to a counsellor and they said all the students are going through the same things as you are. But of course, you and I both know that wasn't the case. What and how did you do to navigate that weird feeling that you were going through? I spoke to other students who were in the same boat and I feel like understanding people's experiences of racism and discrimination in that context and having like a community of people to talk to was really powerful. So I guess we create our own sort of like support groups in the libraries where we would just rant about how, you know, depressed we were and, you know, how like unsafe we felt. And I felt like that was really powerful. And from that, I think I was like, okay, we need to talk about this. Like, you know, it's great that we're having the support for each other, but when we leave, it's just going to be the same students going through the same thing. So we need to make sure that there's some sort of like difference that we're making. So no students are having the same experience. So kind of, went from there and like campaigning, documentary, like having that policy changes. So that's kind of like how you cope. I mean, there's just so much I've heard, Vanessa, from, you know, if I were to just kind of very slightly summarize your life story. I mean, you know, you've had to be grown up at a very young age that allowed you or gave you the insight to self-reflect, accept who you are challenge the different traumas in your life, appreciate how you felt when you were at university, then created support groups. I mean, I'm not quite sure how to respond to all the things that you're doing and continuing to do. But, you know, what kind of advice can you give us, Vanessa? Because to be honest, I think these kind of experiences are relevant to anyone everywhere. It could be the example that we are using right now is your personal story, which is the fact that you are a woman and that you are Black 
And because of your early childhood experiences, you needed to grow up in a different way and you reflected and so on. But we could just pick anyone up from anywhere in the world and say they felt the same way. They didn't even have to be a woman or have to be black. And yet they felt that sense of what am I doing here? Am I doing the right job? The sense of imposter syndrome, which I know is predominantly more amongst women, but also men as well experience it. So what kind of advice can you give us on how to manage these unconscious biases that, you know, we all live with and challenge ourselves with every day? Mm -hmm. I think being aware of them, understanding what your triggers are. And I think before anything, knowing yourself and being comfortable with who you are, because that means that you will navigate life without having to defend yourself or protect yourself or prove yourself to anyone. And I feel when you're operating from a position of just like purity and you're just curious about life, you're, I think, less likely to act in a you know judgmental way about someone else's life because you're comfortable and secure in yourself. And I feel like a lot of negativity or a lot of negative attitudes or stereotypes is definitely bred or comes from a deep insecurity somewhere. Mm. It's about acknowledging the triggers that we may have and then really learning to love ourselves and try not to be insecure. But that's easier said than done, Vanessa. Oh, 100%. It's a learning process. We're always learning, but that's part of life. (laughs) But we mustn't beat ourselves up about it. It's just a question of reflecting and continuing to acknowledge and learning every day. And be curious. I think you said that. To be really curious rather than be judgmental. Yes, definitely. I could keep talking to you, Vanessa, but I think in the interest of time, I just want to say, you know, Vanessa, Vanessa, Maria, Wilson, thank you so very much. Thank you. Sharing your stories with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that you enjoyed them. And yeah, it was really nice to speak with you as well. that my podcast series is now heard in 104 countries, ranging from Guadalupe to Iceland, Argentina to Palestine, and even Morocco. It is ranked in the top 3% worldwide. This is clearly a series that connects with people all over the world, and you are one of them. I thank you for listening. I would also like to thank Jack Godfrey for his original music in the closing of each podcast interview. If you like this episode, Please do share, rate and review. I am Smitha Tharoor. Until next time.